tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches... <laughs> Ooh, we do make three podcasts. All right. <laughs> We're talking about something and you're going to laugh about it. That's what we <laughs> <laughs> You know what it is. That's why you're here. Uh, the title queer... is <laughs> right up on your podcast catcher, whatever you're, whatever you're looking at. It'll say what's happening. <laughs> Exactly. We're uh, the podcast for two queer IRL witches talk about Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. I am Lark Malachi Gray. Uh, And I am Jesse Blount. So today we are reading chapter 44 in which Baz is writing out what they know on the pilfered blackboard, which isn't much. The vampires broke into Watford on a mission from the Hundrum and Natasha dies. Simon contributes the records account of the attack. Baz didn't know any of the information in the article, like his mom immolating herself when a vampire bit her. Tender General Simon tries to comfort Baz, allowing him space to feel his feelings, um, but Baz cuts him down verbally because his coping mechanism is being a total douche-waffle. Simon goes to hang out with Penny, and people start screaming because a fucking dragon is on the grounds. Where is Charlie Weasley when you need him? (laughs) <laughs> Penny runs interference while Simon stabs the dragon with his swords and manages to ride it. And then Baz arrives with surprising empathy for the dragon, convinces Salmon not to stab it to death, and uses a whole-ass nursery rhyme to get the dragon to go away. He's not strong enough to override the humdrum's power until Simon puts his hand on Baz's shoulder and thrusts some of his power into Baz, who in turn takes as much power as he can. Kind of a euphemism. After the dragon is gone, everyone goes back to what they were doing, and the boys fumble over why Baz saved Simon. LOL, I roll. Uh, Penny shows up, demanding Simon do the same thing to her, and Simon notices that Agatha is the only person left still staring at them. Reminders before we get into it, we are spoiling everything through the end of this book, but nothing from the sequels. Also, please uh, go leave us a review wherever you review podcasts because it's very helpful and also it makes us very happy. With that, let us enter. Easy come, easy go. Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't belong anywhere else. I just like Baz's little snappy line at Simon when Simon's like, can vampires turn into bats? And Baz is like, why don't you ask one? And I think it's funny and great. (laughs) Such an asshole in the first part of the chapter. (laughs) Uh... I mean, I get why he's being defensive, but he's also being defensive in like a way that's really fun, I feel like. Yeah, I mean... I mean, shitty. But fun to read. Yeah. I feel like in light of Rainbow Rowell tweeting that like Spike is her favorite vampire ever. I feel like that cutting remark is very Spike season four because it's both cutting, but like the kind of cutting where you've observed something about someone and they don't even realize. And then you're like, let me pull it together to like, just destroy you. It's just like, Mm -hmm. God damn. (laughs) Yeah. So... Ooh, I missed that tweet. That's good to know. Also, a reminder, listeners, we now have a Buffy podcast uh, up on our Patreon for all of our patrons to listen to, and it's fantastic. So if you want more of that sweet, sweet vampire content, you should uh, definitely check it out. All right, what do you have first? <sighs> I just think it's funny that in the first, like, maybe, like, page or two of this chapter, they're like, yeah, it's like, terrible attack with the vampires but it hasn't happened since and then like literally 20 minutes later a fucking dragon shows up to like 
try to like burn the school down and i'm like <laughs> this is like worse than hogwarts it's like I, just it just does not seem very safe that's interesting they say no vampire attacks since specifically because definitely the humdrum attacks the school every year i guess i said no no what was what was the line I guess Baz says the first breach in school history and Simon says, and the last. And then Baz is like the school's tight as a drum. He'd hide Watford behind the veil. But I guess they're just talking about vampires because like we know that the humdrum has sent flying monkeys and flibberty gibbets and other various things, a dragon previously. Yeah. So yeah, keeping on the vampire tip i thought it was really interesting that baz is like referring to the vampires as they as if he's not one of them and then that simon is immediately counting the vampires as people he's like no there was a higher death count than that the vampires were also people which neither baz nor the newspaper recognized I don't know. I think that just goes on my list of reasons that I really like Simon. Yeah, no. Simon, precious, tender dinner roll. Uh, <laughs> actually, I was going to maybe ask you about that later because I'm like, what specific psychological coping mechanism is that? To be like, dude, Bez, you are a vampire, but you like are talking this out and acknowledging the fact and not acknowledging that you are a vampire. I'm pretty sure it's that he can't openly admit it. Like, everyone can know, but if he admits it, then he'll get kicked out of Watford and, like, gelded. They'll take his fangs out and they'll break his wand. So even though it's sort of, like, an open secret, he has to keep, like, plausible deniability. Or implausible deniability, as the case may be. It's very, uh, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, it is. For our non-U.S. listeners, is the very useless law in the 90s and i guess for most of the 2000s honestly about if you were gay in the military it was just don't talk about it we're not going to ask and it's like cool that protects no one and helps no Mm -hmm. one (laughs) so yeah yeah what's next i don't know why this made me laugh so hard but baz putting vampires food for thought on their chalkboard just is so ridiculous it is really funny (laughs) (laughs) just like i don't know why this is funny but it is very funny yeah i guess i don't know how to explain it but it's definitely very funny um i feel like two of the things i had here actually belong in the sexy section so (laughs) i guess i'm just gonna skip to my last one which is i feel like it's really rude that they save the school from this dragon and ms possibelf is like simon you're gonna need to work on moderation that was so rude (laughs) you could just fuck off instead like come on yeah i just have that as we need to talk about that thing that just happened with miss possible because i'm just like damn right yeah she's like baz great job simon could have been better he definitely participated in the saving of the school even if you don't recognize that he was like feeding baz power which i hope i don't think she recognized but like he saved literally he saved her by getting the dragon's attention so she should really chill the fuck out yeah i think it's just that shitty thing that teachers do when there's a kid in your class that like isn't doing great for whatever reason it's like they don't notice the the thing that the good thing that has happened they notice the like fuck up bits that have happened in there where it's Mm -hmm. like salmon using a spell where like all the all the students come out and it's like whoops (laughs) but also he was like gonna stab this dragon in the brain like i don't see any of y'all trying to do this right exactly doing anything really it's i feel like it must be that like common fantasy trope where just dragon hides are so tough like you can't really spell your way through it he has exploded a dragon previously which makes me very sad it must have been very gross i'm sure it was super gross yeah yeah it's pretty awful uh yeah what else do you have left here i just have one more which is right when baz it looks like baz is gonna go through this whole nursery rhyme to get rid of this dragon simon is like who does he think he is like houdini and i'm like is simon suggesting to us that houdini was a magician 100 percent. okay 
Welcome to I See a Little Silhouetto of a Man, where we talk about character development. Um, I don't remember if, if we knew this before this chapter, but Baz does not take comfort very well. I mean, probably also from Simon because complex feelings about Simon. Mm-hmm. But like, Simon is really good at being comforting. And Baz was just like, fuck you. Yeah. Right. Complicated feelings, but also Baz is like hella triggered here. Like he just learned a bunch of information about his mom's death that's like really fucked up Mm -hmm. like the fact that she committed suicide basically and that she did it because she didn't want to be turned into a vampire so i don't know i feel like i might be snappy too in that situation that's fair i mean i think it also just comes back to how fucking shitty his family has dealt with all of this with him Yep. He should not be finding this out from, at this point, someone who's, like, 75% his mortal enemy and, like, their, like, shitty magical newsletter. That's fucked up. Yeah. It is super fucked up. Yeah, his dad's not doing a great job. No. And I guess neither is Fiona, for that matter. I envision the way that Fiona is acting is that she probably can't vocalize. The, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if she'd be able to actually say those words out loud to Baz. Because they'd be right. so painful for her. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And kind of along with that, I actually have kind of a question for you. Is that, so right off the heels of like Baz in this kind of like vulnerable, vulnerable triggered place. He runs out basically to approach this dragon head first and to convince Simon not to kill this dragon. Which feels a mm-hmm. little bit like, what? <laughs> a little bit like... Where's the surprise empathy coming from, I guess, you know, mm. a little bit. And this look is great because I'm like, yeah, don't murder this dragon. This is probably like been being magically fucked with to attack y'all. But I right. don't know. So here are my initial thoughts. One, this feels like a continuation of that empathy that we saw from Baby Baz in our last chapter. Mm-hmm. And it feels very... It makes a lot of sense to me that Baz, who has spent so much time becoming so calloused to everyone, would have that sort of, you know, I think a lot of people who are really calloused against people or just people in general have an easier time empathizing with like children and animals who are like innocent and can't understand what's happening to them than to people because they're like grown people are like bad but also can like conceptualize and understand what's happening and so it makes sense to me that Baz who's like everyone get the fuck away from me would have an easier time feeling bad for a dragon who's like I don't know why the fuck I'm here or why I'm doing this like this is completely contrary to my nature and like that that would hurt him to be like Simon is going to kill this, like, sad, confused dragon who's acting against its will. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then also, I think part of it is is concern for Simon, because he does say later in the book that killing a dragon is, like, super dark magic that will, like, fuck up your soul, even if you're not doing it intentionally. And, like, he is in love with Simon, so that also would motivate him because he would want to basically save Simon from himself. And Simon's already fucking killed a dragon without, with like, as like as an actual child. Exactly. That can't be great. How do you feel about that? I, I feel good about the explanation, actually. Even if it is a little bit like one of the things that like I dislike about animal rescue people, <laughs> but it makes sense. Where there's like literally 10 times more like animal rescue groups than like, people trying to like rally for homelessness because it's like oh cute dogs and cats versus like why should i feel empathy for people living on the street it's their fault quote unquote and i'm like right i mean i fully agree with you i think with that there's also the whole like society has spent so much time demonizing homeless people and like convincing people that like needing to get aid is somehow a moral failing that 
I think it takes a lot of like intentional work and education for folks to get to a point where they're like, uh, no, like that's not real. That's not how that actually works, which is, I mean, inexcusable on the part of like society, right? Yeah. And I also feel a little bit frustrating in the end of like animal rescue folks where it's like, Housing security is a big reason why, or lack of housing security, why a ton of animals end up on the street or being like, I need to, I moved and I can't keep my pet because where I live doesn't allow them. Or like, I lost my home and I can't keep my, like, my dog. And it's like, these issues are interconnected. Yeah, I mean, any animal rescue group that is not simultaneously working to like end breed restrictions in like apartment buildings and like make it easier for people to like stay with their pets even if you only want to focus on the pet part of that and like can't find empathy in yourself for like the people for whatever reason like that literally doesn't make any sense i mean how dare someone surrender their animal they should have tried harder and it's like (laughs) do you know what world we live in anyway (laughs) i'm not gonna go on this road because i could be angry about this for a long time so let's go back Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Uh, so I, this is actually maybe surprisingly a not fucked up politics section, but so the record, which is barely a newspaper, really, it's more of, I think, a community newsletter is sort of how I'm viewing this. It's full of committee minutes from like them figuring out what to do. And... I really actually appreciate the fact that Simon is like, yeah, I read a bunch of these issues after, you know, the vampires attacked Watford. And it's mostly just like, you know, people having like discussions and going back and forth and having like endless meetings and like editorials. And I'm like, yeah, that is what doing work in a like on a local government level is like. (laughs) Yeah. It's like boring and unexciting, but it's like that is the work you have to do in order to be involved in your local government. So... Consider everyone being involved in your local government. <laughs> Check into some meetings and see what your city council people are saying and doing. So, I really hope that one of the outcomes of pandemic is that things like that will continue to be available to the public on the internet, like in a way where you can not only watch but also interact. Yeah, no, it, it has been nice because I've been I've definitely jumped into a couple of city council meetings and other local government stuff to be like, yes, tell me what's going on with this thing. Yeah. So anyway, ec- excellent little bit, of excellent detail about how this government works, which is actually reminiscent of how it, this thing would probably work in real life. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about how in the record article that they read, unlike Simon, who has previously been like, vampires are people, the record refers to them only as the monster or the beasts well i didn't even notice that in my reading these are people like what the fuck yeah if we could just all stop and by we all i mean people in magical worlds but like i mean i guess we don't know what vampires who aren't baz are like right but they literally have to eat people to survive And maybe you should be, like, working with them to see what what could work in terms of, like, getting their needs, their, like, physical needs met in a way that's not dangerous. Because in this world, in this fantasy world that Rainbow Rowell has built, vampires clearly still have souls. So I feel like it's really different from something like Buffy where it's like this, even though they are people, they're, like, people who have intent to cause lots and lots of harm to as many people as they can. So there is something different about like slaying a vampire whose whole mission in life is to hurt people like non-vampire people versus in this world where they like are just still people who now like require blood to stay well. Yeah. And the fact that everyone is just seems in this, Everyone in the magical world seems fine with vampires just eating normals as long as they're not fucking with magicians, which apparently doesn't happen very often. Um, and it's like, 
Uh, so that's still an issue, you guys. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're quote-unquote like bears, and they only prey on the weak. Which is not how bears... Well, I have a thing about that once we get to uh, Is This Just Fantasy? Because I have a lot of feelings about apex predators. Anyway. (laughs) Cool. All right. The only other thing that I have here is my ongoing uh, noticing of pronouns and the ways that we use them to humanize or dehumanize beings, which I think this is the first time it's come up in this podcast, but we've been talking about a lot in The Gaily Prophet lately, because at the end where Simon and Baz are like sort of processing what has happened, Simon only refers to the dragon as it and Baz refers to the dragon as she. And I think that that has a lot to do with like the approaches that they took to handling the dragon being there at all is that Baz has like an understanding of the dragon as like a being that doesn't want to be there. I think I lost my train of thought, but yes. Yeah. And especially because one of the things that Baz, that Baz tries to convince Simon of is that, Hey, dragons are not dark creatures. And I feel like part of it is that, but vampires are classified as dark creatures in this world. And it's like, I mean, if, Simon were to run Baz through with his sword, not a euphemism, and a bunch of people had it confirmed for them that he is a vampire, Simon would, like, get off scot-free, you know? It's not that totally. be like... Oh my god, where am I going with that? Trying to convince Simon not to uh, kill every problem that arises is <laughs> probably relevant for Baz's continued existence. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. I don't know that this first one is really a rant. I just, I think that the UK should be sending their kids to normal schools and having like free after school or summer programs where they like do their magic development. If it's important to stay close to the language, which means staying close to normals, it makes a lot of sense to not have this super elite private school where everyone goes. I mean, I guess it's not private anymore, but, and therefore like there is nothing available to kids who don't get into Watford, like Lucy's brother and, you know, the mage takes all of the magic books out of the library. Yeah. Send your kids to normal schools. (laughs) Close Watford. (laughs) So yeah, I do agree about sending the kids to normal school, to normal's school, uh, especially because then it would definitely foster more empathy for normals if it's like, oh, normals are vampires eat normals, whatever, you know, versus, (laughs) oh, like, I don't want vampires playing on my, my friend Minty or whatever. So maybe we should try to figure out how to work with the vampires so they don't, they can get blood in other ways. You know, mm-hmm. um, I do wonder, I do, I do think keeping Watford open definitely for like summer programming after school stuff would be cool, but also potentially good for kids who couldn't pass as human to be able mm. to go to Watford. So, cause I don't know how that would work for like Trixie. Yeah. Or if you had like another Minotaur coming to school, you know? Right. I mean, I feel like they would do sort of whatever they would do otherwise and then could still attend like the programming because it Mm -hmm. wouldn't be like it wouldn't make sense to, I don't know, be teaching everything that that these growing magicians need to learn in this like sort of uh, extracurricular way and then also have like another school where kids are learning like the same thing but in a much more like ongoing way Mm, I see so I feel like it would make sense for like all of the programming to also be available to those people and then like whatever other pixies do during their formative years oh yeah yeah yeah. no that makes sense hang out in the fields of flowers I don't know yeah <laughs> Probably something great. <laughs> yeah. I want to just be relaxing in a field of flowers for like 10 years. It sounds perfect. Yeah. 
All right. And my other thing is just that I really don't have a lot of patience for the way that Penny handles the the time right after the dragon leaves. I think she is really shitty to like a very shook Simon and is super disrespectful and not reading the room. And I am just a little bit mad at her. Yeah, it's definitely a moment where she lets her thirst for knowledge sort of override her, I mean, normally great people skills. Well, her people skills are pretty lacking. Like, she is pretty rude (laughs) to everyone who's not her friends and even to people who are her friends. I don't know if rude is the right word to how she responds to other people. She just doesn't have a lot of, like, patience or space for things that don't feel relevant to her, which is fine. Yeah, I think I think she is dismissive of a lot of people, which is its own vibe. Yeah, I feel fine about her behavior generally, but, like, most of the time she she is in tune with what Simon needs from her or at least respects it when he asks her to lay off, and she just doesn't. And I get that she's excited, but Simon just went through something really, really big. And she can tell that he wants her to let it breathe for a minute. And she's just like, no. Yeah. Yeah, not not a great look. Okay. Finally, finally, <laughs> let's go talk about the sexy stuff. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Do you want to start? I feel like all the bits with the magic is just like, it's not a euphemism, but it also kind of is a euphemism about like, <laughs> just... Uh, actually, no, my, my real first thing is about Simon's deep appreciation about Baz fucking floating across the moat, which I'm like, you know what, Simon, actually same. <laughs> that sounds like graceful and cool as fuck. Like I don't uh, know. the prettiest thing he's ever seen. <laughs> I know. That's very sweet. So I have I have stuff that like happens earlier in the chapter that I want to talk about after the thing that I want to talk about first, which is just that I would like to read what is basically like a sex only version of the whole thing with the dragon, which. <laughs> I am going to posit, you're like, it's euphemism, but not. I would like to posit that it is, in fact, porn. (laughs) Which I will now read to you. Okay, I'm listening. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Okay. Stop laughing. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm trying to get centered. Okay. I take some of the magic that's always trying to get out of me, and I push it into Baz. His arm straightens like a rod, and his voice hitches louder. I push a little more. I worry that it's too much, but Baz doesn't fall. His shoulder is rock hard and steady beneath my palm. I stop pushing and close my eyes, letting Baz draw on my magic as he needs it. I don't want to set him off like a grenade in my hand. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically erotica, is what you just read to me. Uh huh, and it's like if that kept going, eventually Simon would want to set Baz off like a grenade in his hand. He's just not ready for it to be over yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Theo and I were texting earlier, and I was just like texting him these lines as I came upon him, and he was just texting me black back blushing emojis. <laughs> I'm about to say, I feel like I have a very clear image in my brain of Theo, like, blushing as he texts this. (laughs) And this has to be intentional. Like, his arm straightens like a rod and his voice hitches higher. Like, hello, okay. Yeah, I've, uh, I've definitely read a ton of sex scenes in fanfic that are, that is basically maybe this sort of word for word <laughs> right we have rock hard i push a little more like oh my god okay <laughs> great <sighs> more magic sex please and thank you oh my god this is very like willow and tara moving a vending machine you know <laughs> you know i was actually 
thinking about that as I was reading this. <laughs> when you, or when you texted me about it being magical sex. And then that scene, but also the scene in uh, Once Now with Feeling, where it's like, yes, the magic is sex and vice versa. And you're just like, yep. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. Uh, yes. What do you What do you have next? Uh, I figured you would. I figured you'd have a lot, so I actually didn't have too much. But I will say it does make it awkward when Penny's like, "Okay, now, now it's my turn." It's like, mm, <laughs> actually. <laughs> oh my god! Totally. <laughs> okay. So, oh my god, I do. I do have a lot. I like that we get this like progression, this like very rapid progression from Simon basically first intentionally touching Baz in a like friendly way to Simon fucking Baz magically, where like first he's like, well, comforting arm bump. And then he's like, okay, that went well. I'm going to see about resting my hand on your shoulder. And then he's like, okay, that went well. And then he's like, I can I can do that again and then maybe like what more could happen beyond resting my hand on your shoulder and then he's like mm, do you want me to like penetrate you with my magic is that is that okay and he's like cool this is okay great like where are we going from here oh my god <laughs> it's very lovely I like it a lot I know it's and it's so funny because uh, I feel like it was like an episode or two ago when it's like maybe we get the first time, the first instance of them like touching in the book. Mm-hmm. Then like five chapters later, we have like magical sex. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh. Oh, that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but don't worry, folks. We're still in a very, very slow burn of... We are them acknowledging their attraction to one another okay i like simon's no baz you're flammable such concern um and then i think the scene where simon's like ah baz has the dragon distracted i should go kill it and then he doesn't because and i quote baz told him to stop like okay that's a real change in pace again it it escalated quickly from right like fucking hate this he's like we're all about consent now whether it's verbal or (laughs) non-verbal like baz baz said stop and i'm gonna stop and then we end this chapter with baz bowing perfectly and his hair falling in his face which simon feels like is important enough to tell us about yeah he was he was definitely definitely noticing that part of me is like i'm sure baz is graceful as fuck like that but part of me is also like Simon, you maybe <laughs> are you the most reliable narrator about this because of how <laughs> how much you think about uh, Baz's grace and attractiveness, I think. And his very strong preferences for Baz having his hair loosened in his face. So that's true. Yeah. Like some tiger beat heartthrob or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's get to our like incredibly long fantasy section. <laughs> yep. <laughs> is this just fantasy? Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Please kick us off. First off, I want to talk about vampires. And Baz is sort of telling Simon that. His dad told him they were like bears who like easy kills. But really, in reality, that's a lot of apex predators. You know, people are always unwarrantedly concerned that like wolves or tigers want to eat them. And it's like, no, they want to eat like sheep and giant rodents and like other things that it's like easy to kill. So I guess in that regard, correct assumption. But I do want to go back to the fact that also vampires are people and not just predators. Right. (laughs) So, and I mean, people are also predators, considering how many animals we've driven to extinction. So, <laughs> True. Also, how fucked up is it that Baz's dad said that to him? 
Yeah, it's fucked so that's up. That's basically being like, you're like a bear. Like, that's so fucked up. But like, not like a, in like a cute way, but like in a fucked up way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My first thing here is that I just think it's really important information that the creatures the humdrum sends don't really want to be there or even necessarily know why they're there or really have bad intentions. I know usually the humdrum sends dark creatures, but even so, it. I guess I just feel like if this dragon is just like, I want to go home, probably most of the creatures at the very least are like confused about why they're there. And this obviously is like very important information about like what the humdrum is doing and what the humdrum's intentions are, which no one really picks up on. But in terms of, you know, foreshadowing for the book, it's really well done, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, even Baz is like, dragons don't even fucking live around here. Doesn't want to be here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of dragons, yeah, where do they come from? Where do you stash something described as a T-Rex with wings? (laughs) (laughs) like it's a pretty fucking big animal (laughs) i i mean i assume neither of us really know enough about the topography of the uk to answer but i would guess probably wherever it's like least populated and like if there's anywhere with like mountains or caves or something like that where they could hide from normals yeah probably anyway are you ready to go through the like 100 new spells that we learned i do uh i think i have my notes in chronological order so we could do so tiger tiger burning bright is the first one yeah i read the poem i didn't get it at all i read about the poem i still didn't get the poem yeah, William Blake can be kind of dense. I think it's something weird about religion, maybe. He was really big into that. It was, yeah, it was about, like, the complexities of, like, nature and, like, I don't know, it was, like, an, a companion poem to something about a lamb. I don't yeah. know. When I read it, I was like, this has to be about, like, war. Like, the tiger tiger is, like, a bomb or something. And then I was like, no, not at all. I don't understand this poem. Uh, yeah. My biggest takeaway was that I'm mad that we changed the spelling of tiger. (laughs) That's fair. It's way cooler with a Y. You know, actually, sorry, I do have an interesting thing because in my notes, I'm like, oh, people must have also learned this in school because I definitely feel like I learned this poem in school, but also because there's a Calvin Hobbes strip (laughs) where Calvin recites like the first, oh my God, what is it? What is a paragraph called in a poem? Verse? Stanza? The first stanza of this poem to like Hobbes. Huh. That's funny. Yeah, I guess yeah. people must learn it because otherwise it wouldn't work as a spell if normals didn't know it. Yeah. I just don't know it. Or if I did learn it, I was like, I don't care. That's fair. I was, there was a time in my life where I was very big into poetry and also like as a fanfic writer, like you got to find your fucking arty titles from somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> You're very good at titling your fanfic, so. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything else about that? I clearly don't have anything to contribute to the conversation. No, that's all right. It's, that's it. Um, is the next one You Can't Touch This? Yes, the next is You Can't Touch This. So obviously that's great and also disproves the whole like songs don't make good spells thing. The curious thing to me is like it only works if the dragon knows the song. What's that magic about? I wonder if that's something about the finickiness of using songs as spells. Like, do you always have to have heard the song in order for the spell to work? I mean, why wouldn't that apply sort of across the board to the media that the spells come from then? Well, I mean, I think I think it I think it kind of does. Like we have like nursery rhymes being so powerful because so many people just memorize them as kids and they're always just in their brain. And like, I mean, the William Blake poem about the tiger is pretty well known. And a lot of them are just like common sayings, you know? That's true. Like, I feel like more people have probably heard the phrase, your attention, please, than they have. I mean, I'll tell you all heard, you can't touch this, but it is like a 30-year-old song. Right. 
Huh. That's really interesting to think about. I know. And I guess it makes me wonder then like probably if you had spells that were like Michael Jackson songs or like songs from the Beatles or like LOL Prince songs, which are definitely just incredibly sex magic all across the board. Mm-hmm. But like those songs still get played on the radio all of the time, you know? So, I mean, I guess the radio doesn't matter, but you know, like in movies and stuff. I'm just thinking because I'm pretty sure Penny says that she's learning to cast spells in hindi which she doesn't speak but like her grandmother did and so like her cultural connection to that makes it so that like she and her mom can cast in hindi but like the if she's using it here in the uk would that mean that she can only cast those spells on people who speak hindi because that doesn't seem like it would be very helpful interesting huh I mean, I guess it depends on how many native Hindi speakers there are in the UK. And like, if that's like a language option people could get kind of like how people learn Spanish in school. And then there's like, obviously a ton of like native Spanish speakers in the US. Mm -hmm. So if you, if so, if like you had a spell in Spanish, your odds are pretty good. It would work because so many people speak Spanish. I don't know. But would it work on someone who didn't speak Spanish is basically what I'm asking. Like if the dragon has to know the song for the spell to work, even though the spell is being cast on Simon, would Penny only be able to use those spells on people who understood the language? Like I I think that the power would be there because there is such a large South Asian population in the UK. But how how much would she be able to use the spells I just don't feel like it adds up for me that like all spells across the board, like that would mean that you couldn't cast a spell on like a child. Like if your kid was falling out of a tree and you wanted to like save them with like a levitation spell or something, but they didn't know the media, like the spell wouldn't work on them. Like that doesn't seem right. So I think to your point, I mean, if you had a child older than two, I mean... Is there going to be a fuck ton of like words and phrases they're going to have at least heard? My question is, does that mean magic doesn't work on babies? I mean, who the fuck knows how babies process language? Right. And I mean, at a point, it's kind of like they're just responding to like the tone of your voice. Right. I mean, but like a, a baby or like a toddler, they they would know maybe things like up, up and away, but they wouldn't know something like... Or like they would know nursery rhymes, but the like Shakespeare based spells and like some like it hot, that's going right over their head. Even if they understand the words, they don't know that like that's a movie from the 1920s or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't work on, I mean, obviously you aren't heating up a child, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I just feel like they, the spells work if enough people say them and think about them, but I don't think that the subject that you're casting the spell on has to know what the spell is about Mm -hmm. i don't think that would i don't think that would work you wouldn't be able to cast any spells on evan (laughs) anything okay we'll revisit this question (laughs) at some point uh what's Mm -hmm. our next spell so we have there's nothing to see here and as you were which penny was trying to cast to get people to just go back to what they were doing and not <laughs> stare up at the fucking dragon. Yeah, and the we also have your attention please in that little segment, right? Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are all like mm-hmm, this spell makes perfect sense. You don't have to understand any nuance. Like Yeah. And then we get uh hear ye hear ye as their voice <laughs> amplification spell, which I just kind of loved. <laughs> I loved it too. Even though I really, I should look this up, I have no idea where that comes from. If that's like from literature or just like from fantasy or Monty Python or something. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's in all medieval, like anything with a town crier in it, you get hear ye, hear ye in it. So it's just, if you're in like the time of Robin Hood in a book or a movie, at some point, someone will say those (laughs) words. Yeah. While ringing a bell, usually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. And then the... I maybe didn't get into spells after we get the uh, ladybug nursery rhyme that Baz recites 
in its entirety, including verses that I'm like, I don't, I did not learn any of these other ones. Yeah. And just like how like powerful fucking reciting nursery rhymes is in this world is wild. I mean, it makes so much sense. We all, right, we just absorb nursery rhymes as kids. And yeah, they're, they've been in the cultural consciousness for so long. Like those would absolutely be like the most powerful fucking spells out there. Yeah, because I feel like nursery rhymes are like really old too. Mm-hmm. It does make me wonder if in the U.S., I guess I don't know how global jump rope skipping rhymes are. I mean, it, it might be a, it's definitely like a maybe a U.S. created thing. Or like the game where you're like slapping your hands together. Mm -hmm. Like there's a bunch of rhymes for that too. And I'm like, those have in the US much be also, maybe not as powerful as a nursery rhyme, but like definitely probably a thing. I I only remember like the dirty ones. And so I'm like, what the fuck would you use that for? (laughs) 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 What would would the, what spell would come of that? Also, I feel like a lot of them are really non-linear. Yeah. At least the way that I learned them. What do you use, like, Johnny broke a bottle and he blamed it on me for? <laughs> I mean, that ends in Johnny got a whooping, so maybe it's like a telling on someone's spell. I don't maybe. know. Maybe like a diversion spell. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, because the one that I always think of is Miss Mary Mack all dressed in black with, like, silver buttons all down her back. And I'm like, is this just like a, like a clothing spell? Like, I don't know. Huh. What ha- doesn't she fly away in that song? Yeah, uh, yeah, she jumped so high she reached the sky and didn't come back until the Fourth of July. I don't know how so, I know that, but not Nicole's phone number. Hmm. <laughs> Braids are so ridiculous. You clearly need to come up with a like mnemonic device to memorize Nicole's phone number. Oh my god, yeah, I do. Now we're like in a thing where she'll ask me, depending on like how often I practice. It's like, all right, I got like six of the numbers. And like two days ago, I got like one of the numbers and I'm like, how? How am I going? This comes up in the podcast often enough that maybe we should just put our listeners on Jesse learning Nicole's phone number accountability (laughs) watch. Tweet at Jesse. This this, this is literally a weekly conversation that me and Nicole have. All right. We're going to come up with a mnemonic for you. Even though I don't leave the house. So I'm like, I don't say I'm not in any danger, but like. Yes. Oh, but I think that that one would be like a like make you able to like superhero jump you know oh yeah yeah yeah. that'd be rad or maybe float elegantly across the moat <laughs> perhaps <sighs> there are definitely less moats in the u.s and obviously not magical schools like watford it sounds like i mean that spell is not moat specific that's true yeah anything else about nursery rhymes or anything the bit where it's like a really good mage could stop a battle using Humpty Dumpty is wild. Yeah. I love that part. It's so cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Did Humpty Dumpty originate in Alice in Wonderland or just get incorporated into Alice in Wonderland? You know, that's a really good question. All right. So it looks like the earliest known version of Humpty Dumpty was published as a song in 1797. Damn. So yeah, Lewis Carroll used it in Alice in Wonderland, but he didn't originate it. And like something that people still know in 2015 when this book is set that originated in 1797, like of course you could fucking turn back an army. Yeah. Damn, that's got some power behind it. Which begs the question, why are they not doing more ending of wars? I think they have an obligation to do more ending of wars if they can do that. I mean, that is sort of the big question about when you have a separate yet not separate magical world because you're still on planet Earth that has microplastic in the water and the ice caps are melting and there's war every place. And it's like, but you could solve this and it would be better for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Like, where are you going to go when, like, Watford is underwater because of global warming? (laughs) I guess they they would just probably float the school or something. But you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Yeah. Sorry, now I'm just thinking about Harry Potter versus global warming and it makes me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. 
next time we will in fact actually be reading chapter 45 and also 46 and 47 (laughs) this podcast is produced mixed and edited by me uh we now have a sticker club where you can get a new rad sticker every month that's available in our shop also we're actively working on creating more carry-on specific patreon content for those of you who are not crossover listeners with the gaily prophet so you know if you've been thinking about joining but also being like i don't care about your wolfstar fanfic uh soon you will be getting some snowbass fanfic enjoy Woo-hoo. you can find us on instagram and twitter at the gaily prophet and on tumblr at the gaily prophet podcast um, also check out our website, thegaleyprofit.com, where we have uh, merchandise and, you know, all the episodes of this show and any other information you might want about this here fine, I said publication, that's not the word that I want. Works. <laughs> this fine publication here. <laughs> and you can find me on the internet and my website, which is larkmalakai.com, which is spelled L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I where you can get a tarot reading from me. You can also find me on Instagram at Lark Malachi. You can find me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at live from Detroit. And you should also leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast at. And tell all your friends about us. Oh, one more thing about our Patreon that I think is very relevant is that Patreon has now made it so that you can do a year subscription as opposed to a monthly subscription, which makes it super easy to give someone the gift of our Patreon as a holiday gift for those of you who celebrate gift-giving holidays in the month of December or November, which I don't know when Hanukkah is this year, but sometimes it's in November. So that's really rad. And also it means that you can ask someone to gift you the uh the gift of our patreon (laughs) words are hard anyway that's fun our show art is by theo julian forrester the music and our theme song is by kevin mcleod and the rest of the music is bohemian rhapsody by queen and until next time scatamoosh scatamoosh